Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Hallelujah. World changers for real, right here. Thank you, brother. Amen. See, guys, I told you I had a good-looking wife, didn't I? Huh? My, my stock went way up when my wife came in the room with me. This is my, my BMW, my beautiful, magnificent wife. Huh? Use that. Write that down, brother. She's a Proverbs 31 woman, and I'm so blessed, and she's going to say something really profound. Sorry, y'all. That video made me very emotional. Um, it's a blessing to see that because that, the things that take place right there is what changes our world. That is what starts the world changers. And, you know, a lot of the problems that we have in our world today root from not having that dad. You know, not having that dad there to encourage and say, you can do it. You know, you're a winner. You're a man of honor. <laughs> so, praise God. Just thank you for having us. It's been a blessing. Um, I've heard that, you know, God has done so much in the few days that we've been here. And, and I know that God is fulfilling a promise because Tony has been in prayer um, you know, praying and seeking what God had for this weekend. You know, he knew it was going to be a jam-packed weekend, but, you know, I know that, you know, the God's not going to give us something that we're not, he's not going to be able to fulfill to help us fulfill to do it. So just thank you for having us, and it's been a blessing, and I'm excited for what God has this morning. Amen. Amen. I told you she was awesome. Praise God. Yeah, these guys were a bunch of crybabies this weekend. I had a little allergy problem at certain points, but it was just allergies. It's an honor to be here with you this morning with um, two of my heroes, Joaquin and Yvette Molina. Guys, no better. There is no better. As we travel and spend time with pastors and leaders and just see what, what God's doing in the body of Christ, um, God's raising up a remnant of men like Pastor Joaquin uh, who, who speak the truth, who, who are truth speakers. And in today's uh, spiritual economy, that's a rarity. I want to tell you right now, Jesus didn't come to win a popularity contest. He came to win a war. And thank God for men of God who stand for what's right, who, who, who preach it straight and tell it true, regardless of what, what the world says or anyone else says. And it's, it's an honor to be in this pulpit. It's also an honor just to be serving the Lord. Amen? To be able to speak to his bride, the word says that this church, the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. Whatever God does, he does in the context of the local church. And so what, what God's doing here is an amazing thing. And it's amazing to see men getting right with God. Amen, ladies? It's amazing to see men get right with God. We saw that this weekend. I think we got a quick video. Um, you know, Men of Honor has just been uh, exploding, and God's using it to do similar things to what we saw this weekend all over the nation. And uh, you guys, were you able to find that video? You ready? Check. Roll it. This is our year in review for 2011.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that makes you tired just watching it, all those camps. We're going to go ahead and hit the ground running this morning. I want to talk to you about the principle of honor, which, which I really believe is something that's really lacking in the world today. Amen? Really lacking in the church. And it, it is a key that if we understand this particular key, it will accelerate so many things in our spiritual walk. And you know, um, Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, said, always speak in terms of other people's interests. You know, when, when I'm talking about something that's important to me, it's one thing. But when I'm talking about something that's important to you, it's quite another thing. Amen? Honor is something really, really, really important to you that can bless your life. You know, Jesus, in his prayer, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And heaven is a place of profound honor, and we're bringing it back. We're bringing it to earth. Amen? With the men of honor and ladies of honor, we're teaching these young people about honor and uh, something that's been lost. We're bringing it back to this next generation. And uh, we teach chivalry and, and honor and integrity and stuff that a good dad would teach his kids if he were in the picture, but unfortunately is not. As we look around today, we see that, that there, is, there is no fear of God. Even in the church, there's no fear of God. And so when we return, we understand and know that honor will give us a, a, a great reward. Everybody say reward. reward. This, is the, this is really the, where the rubber meets the road in your Christianity. And I want to challenge you today on a couple, couple different levels related to your own personal walk of honor. Are you a person of honor? Ask yourself that question. Second John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. It says, look to yourselves. Everybody say yourselves. This is not talking about your neighbor. This is not talking about your, your friend. It's not talking about your family. It's not talking about your pastor. This particular verse says, look to yourself, that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Everybody say full reward. I'm going to talk to you about a couple different scenarios today. I'm going to show you a scenario where there was no reward involved. And then I'm going to show you a scenario where there was a full reward involved. You know, when we're dealing with God, we, we come at God different perspectives in different ways. But depending on how we come at God depends on whether we receive no reward or a full reward. And I don't know about you, but I want a full reward. My dad told me, he said, son, if you're going to be a, he's from Texas too. He said, son, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear. If I'm going to get a reward, I want a full reward. I want one day when I, when, when, when I breathe my last breath on this earth that they have to shut down heaven for like an hour and a half. Woohoo! he's coming, he's coming, here he comes. I don't know about you, but I want them to shut down heaven and go, man, come on in. Because I want to live to the fullest. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I wasn't always that way. But as soon as I figured out that, that, that I can receive the full reward, I'm going for it. Amen? So honor carries a reward. And my hope this morning is that you will see uh, areas of your life that are barren, that are not receiving the blessing of God, and that you will apply this principle in order to receive a full reward. Amen? Proverbs says that um, the righteous will be rewarded in the earth. You know, everybody's shooting for the big by and by, but... God promises that to honor and to reward those here in this earth. To Abraham, he said, Abraham, I am your shield 
and I am your exceeding great reward. God wants to reward you today. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Jesus said this about in this lifetime, when you lay down your life to follow God's principles. It says this, it says, And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now. Everybody say hundredfold. In this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Jesus said, hey, following me pays. When you do stuff my way, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless you hundredfold. Now, somebody told me one time, a mathematician, that a hundredfold doesn't mean times 100. It means like some sort of crazy exponential number that's just outside the realm of our thought. God wants to bless you in this life for applying his principles. Why do we hold on to our stuff? Why do we hold on to our ways when God says, look, I want to show you a higher way and I want to bless you? I want to show you an example of uh, uh, the no reward situation. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, and it said, And he there, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Now, we're talking about the same Jesus that spoke and planets and solar systems and constellations came out of, out of his spoken word. We're talking about Jesus that with a word would raise the dead and heal the sick and open blind eyes. And it says here that he could, could not do mighty works. What is it that is so powerful that it constrains and ties the hands of the creator of the universe? How many know that if we can understand what it is that holds God back in this situation, we can understand what it is that holds God back in our situation. You ever feel like sometimes you're, you're praying and it just doesn't make sense why things are not coming to life, you know? You know the problem's not with God, but you start looking around, what's the problem? Well, we're going to find out today some of it, amen? Mark chapter 6, verse 2, let's look. We look a little bit back before this story. What was it that kept Jesus from doing the miracle? And it said, and when the Sabbath day was come, in verse 2, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? They were with him to that point. And here's where they went left. Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us, and they were offended at him. And Jesus said this, here's the key. He knew what held back the miracles. He said, but Jesus said unto them, unto them verse 4, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. What was it that held back the miracles for, for Jesus? They withheld honor. When they withheld honor from Jesus, it tied his hands so that he couldn't do the miracles. They said, isn't this the same Jesus that grew up with little Mary and was in Bill's algebra class and we saw him at the Pine Derby at Boy Scouts? You know, they, they started to lightly esteem Jesus and they started to make things that were uncommon, common, and those things that were holy, unholy. 
And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can take things that are supposed to be meant as uh, uh, assigned honor to and make them common. And when we do that, we miss the blessing of God. I told the guys at the retreat this weekend, I said, you know, the word honor means actually a weight. And to different things, we assign different weights. For example, when uh, this brother right here, when you came in the room, you guys felt a certain way about him, right? Because you know him. When I came in the room, you felt even a different way, right? Because you don't know me. When pastor came in the room, you felt even a different way. But if the president of the United States were to walk in this room, you'd feel even a different way. Some of you, whoa, whoa. But if Jesus himself were to walk in this room, you would feel yet a different way. Why? Because you've assigned different weights to each one of us. You've, decided, you've assigned honor in different weights to different things. And sometimes we get our weight system off. And the things that we're supposed to honor, we don't honor. And the things that we aren't supposed to honor, we honor. So they withheld honor, and Jesus was not able to do many mighty works. Now here's the thing. Honor can be in words, honor can be in actions, and honor can be in our thoughts. In Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord's prophesying. Can you guys pull that verse up? Uh, Isaiah 29, 13. Got it? Wow. These guys are good, aren't they? And the worship band is awesome. And they played my favorite song. Let's give them a hand. Man. Thank you for playing rooftops. That's, that's the deal. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. In other words, what he's saying is, is, is they, they're, they're honoring in their words, they're honoring and maybe even in their actions, and their lips, but in their hearts, they're dishonoring. Honor is a thing that starts in our heart and moves out through our words, moves out in every part of our life. Full reward. You ready to see the full reward scenario? So we saw an, an, how withholding honor brought no reward. Now we're going to see how bringing honor brings a full reward. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies sick at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now let me tell you something. During this time, a centurion was, a, was like a general. He was an esteemed member of the Roman society. And Jesus was a lowly carpenter that belonged to a captive people, that the, but the Romans had overtaken them. It, it would be like uh, a general uh, in Iraq right now uh, conversing with just a, a, a village person. Okay? There's a huge disparity in the social gap. But yet we see this centurion showing tremendous honor to Jesus. So it says this, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now let me ask you something. Do you think Jesus blows smoke when he talks to people? 
You think he makes um, flattering comments that really aren't true? When Jesus said that he had not seen so great of a faith, he was, he was being accurate. There was not great, as great faith in anyone to the point that he had run into. Now let's think about who he had run into to this point. He had run into John the Baptist. He had run into Mary. He had run into all the disciples. He had run into the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leading, uh, leaders of all the religious councils. And none of those people had faith like this centurion did. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. I promise you this centurion had less word than anybody around Jesus, but yet his faith was great. How did this happen? I want to tell you right now, it's one word, honor. Honor is the accelerator of faith. Honor causes God to move in greater ways, causes faith to come alive like never before, just by showing principles of honor. You following me? It says... And, and I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Honor carries a tremendous reward. That's a full reward. Today I want to talk to you about a couple different aspects of honor. The Bible talks about civil honor, which has to deal with how we deal with government. Social honor, how we deal with um, people that are around us and bosses and teachers. It, it deals with church uh, honor in the church. That, that's pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, apostles. Family honor, which has to do with our mothers and our fathers, our wives and our children. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm already scared. Just go ahead and tell them. You know, honor is, is something that's really big with God. I was listening to uh, uh, an evangelist talking about, he went to a big denominational conference down in South America, and he said while he was, they were taking him to the conference, and he said it was a huge conference, brother. He said it was, there were people lined up in cars for miles to get into this conference. And they were driving him down the road, and as he was driving in, he said they rolled down the windows. You could hear the praise and worship going on in the conference. And he said they took me around the back because he was the keynote speaker. They took me around the back, and they brought me up on the platform. And he said I could hear this tremendous worship going on. He said, but when I walked in and I sat down on the platform, he said I looked out, and he said there were people with their cell phones. They were texting. He said there were people with their hands in their pockets and people just kind of looking around. And he said, and I... I, I've, I realized for the first time I could hear the worship, but I could feel nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. He said, I thought there was something wrong with me. He said, I thought, God, did I miss you? Did I not pray enough? Did I not fast enough? He said, but then I looked around and I noticed all the people were just preoccupied. No, no one was worshiping. There was no honor of God going on in this conference. And he said, so I just got up when it was my turn. And he said, I just felt led of the Holy Spirit to come stand on the front of the pulpit. And he said, I just began to look at them. And, and they were looking at him like, come on, you're the speaker, speak. And he said, I stood there for probably five minutes just looking at them. He said, I, I felt something come on me. And it was disgust. It was, it was ups, you know, God's heart was upset and it was grieved. And he said, eventually, um, they, they started to break. And you could hear pockets of different people crying because they became convicted about their lack of honor. And so he went back to the worship leader and he said, let's play another song. 
He said that time when they kicked it up, man, every hand was up, every eye was on God, and they began to worship. And he said the presence of God rolled in so strong. It was an amazing conference. But the difference was withholding honor. When we honor God, his presence comes on the scene. Amen? You know, I think about guys like uh, T.L. Osborne. You ever heard of T.L. Osborne? Great missionary over, overseas. Uh, didn't do much here in the States, I don't guess, but over there, responsible for over 63 million souls, winning people. And they said that his ministry was marked by tremendous miracles. I'm talking about eyes that weren't in there growing into sockets. And, and when, when you go overseas, the people over there, when you come into the, into the room, man, they, they won't let you carry anything. They Kind of like the pastors treated us. Won't let you carry anything, won't let you do anything. So one guy was talking, and uh, he said this guy came in, and he put a bowl down in front of him and started washing his feet, the evangelist. And uh, he said it felt a little weird at first, and, but he said he just went with it. And he said the pastor came to him later and said, you know who that was that washed your feet? And he said, no, I don't. He said, that was like the director of our CIA that did that for you. He was blown away, and he's like, why would he do that? And he said, you are the man of God, aren't you? He said it really convicted him that, that he, he didn't understand this great principle of honor. Honor is just a huge thing. The Bible says that we should honor our family, honor our wives. Men, we have to honor our wives. We even have to honor our children. Not only are, are they our offspring, but they are our heirs of salvation. They're our brothers and sisters in the Lord. pastor was telling me a great story about how he walked down the hall and, and he was walking by, and the Lord stopped him and told him to go back and look where his sons were in the room. And, and the Lord spoke to his heart and said, these are my servants. And he was supposed to treat them like they were God's servants. Amazing principle of honor. We have to, we have to let honor be in our family. Husbands, honor your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. And we also have to honor our children as the servants of the Lord. Amen? Yes, Leviticus 19.32 says this, and I'm going to switch into social honor now. It says, You shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of an old man and fear your God, I am the Lord. God's really, really, really impressed and really, really concerned about how we treat older people. Right. How we treat the elderly, it's a huge thing. Whenever you see a person older than yourself walk in the room, you better stand up and give them your seat. You better open the door for them. You better honor them because God is very, very concerned about that. First Peter 2.17, and, that, and that, that's just something that's lost in this generation. We don't realize that, but you know, older people are so full of wisdom, and, and we can receive so much if we honor them. We will receive nothing from them if we don't honor them, but as we honor them, we receive the reward. Amen? Turn to, your, turn to your neighbor and say, I honor you because you're older than me. Go ahead. First Peter 2.17. How am I doing on time? Am I good? First Peter 2.17 says, Honor all. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor the king. Now, who was the king at the time that Peter wrote this? Anybody know? Try. Huh? Herod Agrippa I. 
He was one of the most wicked, evil despots that there ever was. He was, he was uh, morally corrupt. He was unfair. He was wicked. He was terrible. And here's Peter saying, let's honor him. We don't honor because of who people are. We honor because of the office, and we honor because God said to do it. Amen? Amen? People in Texas don't like our current president. I'll just tell you right now. I don't know how it is here, but there. But you know what? Whether you agree or disagree, you are called to honor the office of the president. He is a, he is a, a I won't get ahead. Let's just say, I don't even say Obama. I say President Obama because I'm called to honor the office in which he sits. That's God's command. God promises that if I do that and if I pray for him, that it'll go well for me. Amen? Go well for other believers and go well for our country. Romans 13, verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 6 just because it's good stuff. Is this talking to anybody's heart today? Anybody getting convicted in this house today? I get convicted every time I preach it. Romans 13, 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the higher authorities, for there is no authority but of God. The authorities that exist are ordained by God, so that the one resisting the authority resists the ordinance of God, and the ones who resist will receive judgment to themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the bad. And do you desire to be not afraid of the authority? Do the good, and you shall receive praise from it. For it is a servant of God to you for good. For if you practice evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword in vain, for it is a servant of God, a revenger for wrath on him who does evil. Therefore you must be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's servants, always giving attention to this very thing. It says in Romans 13, 7, it says, Therefore give to all their dues, to the one due tax, the tax. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Fear to whom fear is due. And honor to whom honor is due. There was a, a pastor in a small church in East Texas. And he put on a conference every year. And he'd have about 100 people at this conference. But they'd blow it up really big. The greatest conference that ever was. And pastors and leaders come from all over. And there's 100 people there. So this evangelist that normally went to the conference decides, man, this thing is just kind of outside my scale. So he leaves the conference. Four or five years later, he gets a postcard in the mail. And it's this same conference. But this time it's got like... Joyce Meyer and Jesse Duplantis and T.D. Jakes and all these big names. And he's going, what in the world? How did he get all this? So he calls him up and he's like, brother, what have you been doing? He said, oh, man. He said, we got about 2,500 members in our church now. You know, their church was smaller than the conference at one point. And he said, we're just, God's just blowing it up. He said, well, what did you do? Because it was years and years the same number. And he said, brother, I remember the day. He said, it was this verse that I just read. He said, our, our guys are always griping about taxation and how the tax rate's gone up and how the, the local government is corrupt and crooked. He said, I finally read this verse and got so convicted that I went down to the city council and I said, what is your greatest need? And they said, at that time, the greatest need were those, the firemen's masks, you know, the ones that they can see in the fire. He said, because a lot of people that die in the fire don't die from the fire, they die from the smoke inhalation. He said, if we had those masks, we could do it, but we don't have the budget. He said, how much does, does that cost? He said, $25,000. He 
So this guy went back to his little church and he said, look, I read this verse. We're going to raise $25,000 here today. And he didn't leave the service until they had raised it. He said they walked in with their church, made a big presentation to their local city and said, we want to bless the city because the Bible says that you are the servants of God for our good. And we want to bless you guys with this mask. They said they were blown away. They had city officials that came and joined the church because it was just so far outside the realm of what is normal to see honor like that for a civil authority. It was huge. And his church began to grow. His church began to explode in the blessing of God because of the principle of what this verse says in honor. I think about what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 20, when we start transitioning out of Civil, civil honor into church honor. Such a huge, huge thing in God's house. John 13, 20 says, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receives whomever I send receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. How we receive God's people that he sends is how we receive God. We can't say, hey, you move out of the way. I'm, I'm worshiping God. I love God. It doesn't work that way. It works, hey, you receive the one that I sent the way that you receive me. When you mistreat the servant of God, the person of God that they sent to you, you are literally mistreating God. Turn to your neighbor and say, he got you on that one. Go ahead and tell him. 1 Samuel 2.30. I know it's a lot of scripture, but it's really good for us. It's like medicine, amen? Wherefore the Lord... Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The greater amount of honor that we show is the greater blessing that we receive from God. He's looking for honor in us today. Amen. Haggai verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Then came the word of the Lord. If you want to write it down, I promise I won't throw any weird stuff in here. I'll read it straight out. Haggai chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled. You clothe, but there's none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it into bags with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and lo, it came little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste and you run every man unto his own house. What is that saying? What that's saying in a nutshell is, God is really serious about spring of life. He's serious about the spiritual impact that it makes in this community and all around. And I know I'm talking to the, to the holy flock of God. I'm talking to the faithful ones right now. But when we put more consideration on our homes and what we're doing outside of the church than we do with the ministry of this church going forward, God says you're just going to put money in, in bags and it's just going to run out. It's powerful, isn't it? God's really serious about us establishing the church 
to be an outreach center, to reach out to people that are all around and putting our everything into that first. When we do that, he's going to bless our houses. Amen. I think about Dr. Uh, Paul Yonggi Cho. Y'all familiar with him? Largest church in the world. He started his church in a dump, literally in a dump. I mean, they were standing on trash. And right now, he has over 50 millionaires in his church. Pastor, you'd be all right with 50 millionaires in the church? You'd be good? We'd be good with that? Okay. Would you guys be, uh, would you guys volunteer to be one of the 50? Now, these aren't people who were millionaires who came and joined the church. These were the ones that were there in the original dump with him living in the dump that became millionaires because of the principle of honor. When Dr. Cho travels somewhere, he, they won't, he's not allowed to pay for his travel. And, and, a, and a, a bunch of guys come with him. They're business guys. And there's about 20 of them. And when they come into the room, they make sure that Dr. Cho sits down first, okay? And then they, they, will, they will walk behind him and they will stand. And, if he, and they're always waiting on him and helping him and doing things for him because they understand the principle of honoring the one whom God sent. How they honor him is how, how God is honored. Now you say, that sounds like worshiping a man. No, no, no. Don't get worship and honor confused. Worship and honor, two different things. We'll be worshiping God throughout eternity, but he's given us this life here on earth to show honor to the things that he wants to be honored. Amen? Now, you may say that sounds a little far-fetched for me to do that, but I want to tell you something. That's how far away we've gone from the truth. It's time for us to consider our ways and bring it back and show honor. What happened to those men that honored Dr. Cho? They're millionaires. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want some of that. Just go ahead and tell them. Bringing the plane in, I just want to talk about, you know, honor is, is a huge thing. And God tests our honor in so many different ways. First Timothy 5.17, it says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of, this is big, it's the only time in the Bible it's mentioned, double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Wow, not just honor, but double honor. So who is it that, that, that the Lord said is worthy of double honor? Those who labor in the word, your pastors, your leaders, those people who work to make sure that your life is, is being connected with God and that you're walking in the truth. Those people are worthy of double honor. Because oftentimes, if you don't honor, you will not be able to receive. And the enemy wants to get you in a spot where you discount your leaders. Because if he knows if you discount them, you cut off the very life flow of God from your life. Because if you can't receive from that man who's ministering to you, you can't receive. And if you can't receive, you begin to die spiritually. And you begin to become offended. And the enemy uses those, that offense to hook you out and pull you away. People don't, when they get offended, they don't get deeper in the church, do they? No. They leave the church. And that's where the enemy wants them to be. I'm going to show you a couple of examples. You know, in the Bible, it was Hannah and Penina. And Hannah, her womb was barren. And she began to cry out to God, saying, God, if you would give me a baby, I would dedicate it to your service. God, I would do whatever that uh, you wanted me to do with that baby. And she had a, uh, uh, one of the other wives was Penina, and she was a baby machine. She could make babies left and right, and it was just such an oppressive thing for Hannah. But Hannah keep, kept her heart pure. And it said that she went to the temple of the Lord, and there she was, 
You know, she went in and she bowed down and she was there and she was just crying out to God. Oh, God, if you would just give me a baby, Lord, I would. And over here sits this wicked priest. His name is Eli. And he's watching her and, and noticing that she's down on her knees and that she's mouthing stuff. And he goes, this woman's drunk. So he goes over there and he goes, hey, quit drinking wine and get out of here. Drunk woman, what's wrong with you? You know, if you were here worshiping and pastor walked up to you and said, you know what, I had enough of your drinking, you know, and, and gets on you, what would you do? You know, most American women would be like, I don't know who you think you are. Let me tell you something. I never drank in my life, and I don't even know anybody that drinks. And then you'd be walking out, right? But what, is, what, is, what does Hannah do? She said, not so, my Lord. She calls him Lord. She honors him. She said, but your servant is here praying. And, and, and what does he say? He goes, oh, well, be it done unto you, even as you have said. And guess what happened? She has a baby, Samuel. Because of her response of honor to him, it brought something. We see the same thing with Jesus. A woman comes up to him, and she says, I need you to heal my daughter. She's demon-possessed. Jesus, I love this. He's not like this at all, but he does things to test our honor walk. He looks back at her, and he goes, yeah, I would, but you're a dog, so have a nice day. Really, he did. He said, it's not fit for us to give the bread to the, do- the children's bread to the dogs. He called her a dog. And can you imagine? Can you imagine a pastor in the church calling you a dog? An American woman, the nails would have come out. <laughs> you call me a dog? It's on. But she said, just like she should have said in honor, She said, oh, my Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Her heart refused to be offended, and she she purposed in her heart to show honor. It's interesting that the same word was said to her. He said, be it done unto you even the way you want it. God says to us when we ask for things and we refuse to be offended and we choose to show honor, he says not only are you going to get it, but you're going to get it the way you want it. How many like to get it the way they want it? Amen. Bringing the plane in, coming in for landing. Landing gear's coming out. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some there were knuckleheads in the church even then how about that verse 19 nevertheless the foundation of god stands sure having this seal the lord knows them that are his and lo let everyone that names the name of christ depart from iniquity but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet, in other words, ready for the master's use, prepared unto every great work. I don't know about you today, but I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to stop doing my stuff. I want to stop in my ways. I want to do what God's ways are. Because I recognize and know, um, just like anything else, we can be wrong. But God's word is always right. 
And the more we align our ways to his ways, the more we'll see the miracles that this Bible contains. The problem's not with God, I promise you. The problem is with us. We have to show honor. We have to show honor in every aspect of our lives. It doesn't feel natural sometimes, but it's supernatural. Because when you display honor, you'll see the supernatural hand of God move in your life, move in your house, move in your family, move in this church, and move in this community. And that's what God wants. Amen? Amen. God bless you.